So welcome to the second part of our commerce evolution series. This is one of our key innovation blocks, structural growth trends that we are looking to invest behind. And we believe that the commerce landscape is evolving and changing. There's a lot going on there. Everything from the front end, like software and consumer related products to the logistics and potentially software enabled uh, solutions such as Flex. Flex is a company we're speaking with today, specifically talking to Dave Glick. He is the chief technology officer there. He spent over 19 years or roughly 19 years at Amazon and was instrumental to everything they did. So make sure you enjoy the series and, and stay tuned. Okay, yeah, so we're here with uh, David Glick. He is the chief technology officer at Flex. And Flex is probably one of the more important companies you've never heard of. I know they just raised uh, 70 to $80 million in a series C round, roughly double the size of their uh, lifetime funding. So congrats on that, David. Um, you know, side note, I know you, you were, you, you spent like a decade at, uh, or probably longer lifetime at Amazon and retired. And, and, uh, I know you probably want to do a slowly move into, in, into, uh, the workforce again. And, and sure enough, um, I think you got 2020, which was arguably one of the, the more challenging slash exciting times for a logistics company, um, to come back. So welcome to the series. Tell us a, a little bit about yourself, what you guys are doing at Flex. Yeah, thanks for having us. And we're really excited about the fundraising round. Um, yeah, so I can tell you a little bit about myself first. Sure. I spent uh, 19 and a half years at Amazon. Didn't quite make it to the gray badge, uh, <laughs> but I had my purple badge. And uh, I started as a junior project manager in IT. Did that for about five years. And at some point, my boss told me, you know, IT is going away. There's not going to be people who build systems and networks. It's moving to AWS and to Azure and so on. Well, she didn't say Azure, but uh, at the time, <laughs> right. moving to AWS. And so if you're not in software, you know, it's kind of a dead end. And so I took that cue and moved. Um, it was a guy named Suresh Kumar, who's now the CTO at Walmart, who grabbed me and said, you know, I know you're not a software developer, but I have lots of people who can write code. I need people who can get things done. And so come over uh, and lead my software teams. And that turned into building Amazon's pricing system which now sets prices on, you know, hundreds of millions of SKUs every day. Wow. Um, I, you know, I did that and eventually ended up going back to operations where I started my career and leading the software team, which powers all of Amazon's fulfillment and transportation technology. Wow. Well, congrats. I mean, obviously uh, you're instrumental there. So how'd you feel about, uh, what was your reaction, I guess, when, when, when you heard the news last week of Bezos? Um, you know, I, I think Jeff Bezos is, probably one of the two or three smartest people in the world. And so having him driving innovation and invention at Amazon for the last 20 years has gotten them to where they are today. If you look at the, you know, the leadership team over there, um, there's lots of people who've been there for 15, 20 years on the S team. And so you, you won't have a lack of continuity. Amazon will continue being the Amazon that they are. Um, you know, one of the questions is like, they got into Kindle, they created the the, the Kindle business, the digital book business. They into and created AWS. They created Amazon Logistics. And so are they going to create another industry without Jeff there? And I think that's a TBD. Sure. Cool. So like, um, uh, yeah, no, those... over to... say that. I was gonna say, let me, I, I talked a lot about me and didn't talk about Flex. So yeah, yeah. go ahead. To flip over to that. Um, you know, Flex starts on the principle that they make warehouses in two sizes, too big and too small. <laughs> and um, traditionally, the 
3PL industry is a batchy process, meaning uh, 3PLs want you to sign a five-year lease and put a bunch of upfront capital and so on. And so building networks, building logistics networks, especially multi-node networks is very expensive. And so Flex's goal is to debatchify that process. Meaning if you really only need a warehouse for three months um, to store some pallets in, um, you need 20,000 square feet. You should only pay for 20,000 square feet for three months rather than paying for five years of 100,000 square feet. Um, and we started out as uh, we can find you space to, to store some pallets. And then we moved into a relatively simple distribution, which is pallet in, pallet out, um, restocking your stores. But in the last two years since I've joined, we've moved our focus almost entirely to fulfillment and in particular, same day fulfillment. And if you think about where the world's going, you know, Amazon was at two day shipping. Now they're at one day shipping. And you know, in Seattle, we get same day shipping. To do that, you need, you need to put inventory close to customers. And to do that, you need lots of nodes, lots of buildings. And Amazon has hundreds and hundreds, thousands really around the world, but everybody else you know, has you know, dozens at most. Like Walmart has a couple dozen buildings. Everybody else has less than that. And so you know, to do a same day program, you need like 20 nodes and going to a, to a traditional 3PL, um, that's an expensive proposition with the startup costs and long-term commitment and all those things. So Flex gives you an opportunity to stand up same day fulfillment in a few weeks um, and, and experiment with it and expand it if it works. Got it. So how are people, uh, I guess, engaging with the product? Is it a, a software solution that they engage with? Is it like SDKs, APIs for like the, maybe the bigger players? How are they kind of uh, using the tool? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, we have a warehouse management system and an order management system. Uh, and so for our customers, we install our technology into the 3PL. And so what that means is if you're a shipper, if you're a customer and you say, you, you do an integration one time, you sign a contract with us one time, and then you have access to all the warehouses in our network, which is about 1500 across the US and Canada. And, and the metrics you get back and the SLAs you sign up for, are the same because you're dealing with us. From the operator side, we have a cloud-based warehouse management system and we send you a box of scanners, like zebra scanners. And so you open the box, they come pre-installed with our associate facing software. You hand that to the associate and they can be up and picking product by noon. And for the managers, they log on to our cloud-based shipper portal or uh, warehouse portal and they see this is the inventory we have in the building and this is um, and this is the orders I need to get out today. And so we can start up a site from contract to, to first ship in less than a week. Wow. Interesting. So this kind of like, uh, when you think about it, it sounds uh, a little bit, and, and you mentioned it before, where uh, it sounds somewhat of an unbundling taking place here, where uh, you kind of are like uberfying warehouse space and logistics. Uh, at the same time, it's... Uh, essentially, again, giving the power back to the uh, seller, let's say, um, where they can somewhat control their own destiny and, and, and capacity, right? So if you think of the, the historical storage market in IT, it was you, were, you bought capacity, but you only use like 30, 40, 50% of the capacity. And, and in warehousing, you're probably, I don't know the exact number, but I'm sure you were under utilizing your, your warehouse space and you guys are sitting there to uh, obviously keep capacity as, as high as possible and, and pay for your consumption. Um, what do you, is that, is that like a proper analogy in terms of how you guys uh, and, and other companies, I guess, within the space are, are kind of attacking it? 
Yeah, the, the IT analogy is great. I mean, it used to be you had to build your own data center or you had to go to a co-hosting facility and they would want you to, or co-location facility, they want you to buy racks and you, you'd have to buy a year or two year or three years in advance and they'd charge you for all that. And then AWS came along and Azure came along and you just pay for what you use. So we think of ourselves as the, the physical cloud, like the, the yeah, the, the warehousing cloud. Got it. Now, now I guess give us a, a sense of uh, how you fit within the, the whole ecosystem. Cause we know companies like Flexport are essentially uh, freight, right? From like overseas or, or however. And there's maybe nine people, 10 people in between or, or companies and, and, and uh, uh, facilities that, that touch the, the goods. Um, where do you guys fit in? Just kind of take us from origination of product to touching flex to then end consumer. Sure. Um, if you think about the logistics space, it's made up of nodes and arcs. And the nodes are buildings or docks or ports, and the arcs are ships and planes and primarily trucks once you're in country. And it turns out that all the money is in the arcs, right? There's uh, $160 billion of warehousing spend, but there's like a trillion dollars of trucking spend and freight spend, transportation. And so all the money's in the arcs, but the way you take costs out of the arcs is you put the nodes in the right place. And, and you know, traditionally what people would do, you know, retailer would say, you know, where should I put my buildings? And it would say, they put it in some software and it would say, oh, you should put nine buildings and these are where they should be. And then the retailer says, oh, I can only afford two. And so you, you put that constraint in the system and it sub-optimizes everything. And so uh, if you think about it as an optimization problem, imagine you could move your buildings from month to month as your customer base grows and changes and your SKU base grows and changes. You could move those buildings so that it's analog instead of you know 15-year footprints or five-year footprints, and that's where Flex uh, provides that flexibility to do so. And so, uh, Flexport brings the the product to Port of Long Beach or Port of Tacoma or whatever, and then Convoy or other truckers pick it up from there and they bring it to the node, uh, which is a fulfillment node or distribution node, and that's where we play. And so everything in the four walls we are responsible for. And then, you know, there's the last mile component. And traditionally, you know, last mile has been, you know, replenishing Walmart stores. And so you have full truckloads coming out, you know, you load 26 pallets. What that means is you've got sort of 10 forklift drivers loading trucks in your building. And, you know, you make 20 to 30, 20 to $30 per square foot on that business. But if you're doing fulfillment, you don't have 10 forklift drivers loading trucks. You have hundreds of associates picking product, putting them in boxes and handing it to UPS. And so as an operator, you make a hundred bucks a square foot instead of 30 bucks a square foot. And that's one of the things our customer, our operator customers love about us. Got it. Now, now you just mentioned a hundred people um, uh, essentially touching the good and, and loading trucks. Robotics um, is when you think future, right? Three, four, five, ten 10 years from now. I know it's not necessarily your focus, right? You're enabling kind of the uh, ability to have kind of on-demand logistics, but how do you think about robotics inside the facilities? And on top of that, you, just to be clear, you guys don't own any of the facilities. You sit on top and, and essentially provide the technology to allow them to open up their warehouse space to outside um, uh, manufacturers or, or Yeah, sellers. that's right. It's a marketplace model. 
where uh, we we we, Got it. we match the shipper with warehouse space of, of 3PLs who are in our network and have available space or will make available space uh, for us. Um, robot, robotics is a question that comes up all the time. I have you know, two or three com uh, thoughts on that. The first is many people screw up automation. If you don't deeply understand what you're trying to build, you will build it wrong. Actually, whether you have humans or robots, if you don't understand deeply your processes, you will build it wrong. It turns out if you're bringing in massive amounts of conveyor and sortation that you're bolting to the ground, that's a very expensive mistake. Um, if you bring in a few too many humans or a few not enough humans, that one you can make up by hiring more or, or hiring less. And you know, some of you know, one of the biggest, you know, most famous robotics faux pas was Tesla, right? They had a fully automated production line for Model 3 with all robots and it didn't work. And they ended up ripping that out and building a tent in the parking lot to assemble uh, the Model 3. And so that's you know one of many, many war stories that people have over building the wrong robotic thing. Uh, and so with sort of ASRS systems or even Kiva, which we worked with at Amazon, you have to build the whole warehouse around that system. What we've seen today from Locus Robotics and Six River Systems and some of the other folks is that the robots are basically uh, uh, replacing sort of takeaway conveyor and making the humans more productive. And so you can roll some robots off the truck into the warehouse. They can map out the warehouse and understand where they need to go. And if you need two to start with and then 20 and then 100, you can roll them into the facility and then roll them out. And so I think that, uh, that level of flexibility really makes robots accessible where they weren't two years ago. Got it. I mean, I guess the key here always sounds like flexibility is it's kind of the name of the game, whether it's uh, inside or outside the facilities. Um, where are your customers coming from? Like, who are they? Are they the, the large uh, consumer packaged goods companies that are more traditional and, and really trying to kind of enable uh, flexibility? Or is it, um, what are you seeing from kind of the Amazon ecosystem uh, in terms of sellers essentially uh, rethinking their FBA approach? Um, what's going on there? I know. I know you have love for Amazon, but uh, it, I'm sure there's this kind of uh, semi-frenemy relationship at some stage. Um, but in general, like what's, uh, who, who are the new customers and, and kind of the characteristics? Yeah, we have two target market segments. The first is big enterprise retailers and brands. Our biggest customer is Walmart. We work with Ace Hardware, um, Casper Mattress, Away Luggage, who are, oh. uh, I'm switching to the second market segment, Casper Mattress and Away Luggage, who are high growth, well-funded VC funded startups who start out with one node, one warehouse with us, and then they go to three and then five and then 10. And, you know, uh, Casper Mattress had never signed a long-term lease in their first five years of business because they've worked with us since the beginning. And um, so we are, we are staying away for the most part from small sellers uh, because there, there, there are others who are serving that market, you know, other, um, on-demand warehousing who are focused on that market segment. Um, we are focused on the, the bigger sellers um, and the bigger brands. Got it. Okay, cool. And the um, what are you seeing on Shopify? I don't, I don't know if you have an opinion there in terms of uh, what they've built there or even uh, Wayfair's delivery network. Yeah, you know, Shopify is going gangbusters and they've got high demand from their um, merchants. They, I think... And, and I'm just piecing things together because I don't have any inside information. But sure. I, you know, I think they they had the the seller saying, "Hey, we want a Shopify fulfillment network." And they said, "You know, we we have software developers. We've been successful in building websites, and we've been successful in ShopPay. 
um, you know, why shouldn't we do this? It's a great thing for our customers, which is the right way of thinking about it. That said, um, moving protons and neutrons are much harder, is much harder than moving electrons. And so, you know, in a warehouse management system, 80 plus percent of the code is error handling because, you know, the, the physical world is rife with errors, either things, you know, a sticker fell off, a human put something in the wrong place, uh, the, the item master dimensions were wrong. And so I expect that they will um, have challenges uh, sort of adjusting to that. Now that said, they just hired uh, one of my former employees from Amazon, I think to uh, lead the Shopify Fulfillment Network. Uh, and so that, uh, I applaud them for going and getting an Amazon leader to, to do that. Right. Nice. And, and where are you guys uh, getting your, where are you personally obviously getting your inspiration from? Is it, is it looking at uh, what has happened um, uh, at Amazon uh, throughout your career? Is it uh, consumer driven like your customers? Is it, um, there's new things that we saw here in COVID and that'll be my next question is, is kind of what you saw there, but separating that idea is more about you talked about small and large packages, but we're also moving into kind of the potential of cold and hot packages with like pharmaceuticals and such. Like, so you personally getting your inspiration, kind of how do you think about building new solutions for your customers? Yeah. Um, first of all, I'd love to get into cold and hot, but there's just so much right in front of us now that that's, that's a next year project or the year after I expect, but we get lots of people asking about that. Um, you know, we, we, my mantra is put engineers close to customers. And so as, as close as we can get, you know, when I started at Flex, we had the sales folks talk to the VP of product, who talked to the product manager, who talked to the dev lead, who talked to the engineer. And that was way too many people between the customer and the engineer. And so what we've tried to do is push our engineers and our product managers as close to the customers as possible. And that allows us to get our inspiration directly from customers. Mm. And, you know, in the end, that's the only thing that matters is servicing your customers. For sure. No, that's a good approach. Um... And then COVID, what, what was the, what happened there? Uh, obviously we, we know what happened in general in logistics, but at Flex, kind of what was the, uh, the impacts and kind of maybe talk early days, what you saw and then um, what you're seeing today. So we can just kind of get a sense of the difference. Yeah, you know, the first in March, April, in particular, we found, you know, Amazon was closing a store to FBA sellers and we found lots of inbound calls saying, can you help us, can you help us? Um, and you know, by the, you know, we got on the phone and, and by the time that we were ready to move fast, by the time the customers were able to move, it was six weeks, eight weeks in and Amazon had signed, kind of started to open their doors again. And so they were like, you know, we're just going to stick with what we're doing. Um, we also heard from uh, big sellers, big retailers who had lots of demand and they said, oh my God, we, you know, we need more fulfillment. Everybody's moving from our stores to online. We need more fulfillment demand. So we signed a uh, several big deals um, to support you know, augment fulfillment centers that either the, the shipper couldn't build fast enough or didn't want to build for this spike. Um, and then we saw the third segment was uh, retailers who had to shut their doors, uh, their physical stores, and they had inventory on the water from China. And so they had they needed somewhere to put it. And so we've got inbounds from them oh. as well. Um, and so you know, we signed some of those deals, but for the most part, things sort of adjusted back to pseudo normal before, you know, before people had to make hard decisions. You know, now what we're seeing, I think, is the after effect of that, which is, oh, we really need to have more agile supply chains. And the world is actually moving to digital. And we don't want to be dependent only on Amazon as our direct consumer channel. 
So we're seeing lots of retailers and brands who are coming to us now and saying, hey, we spent the last year living COVID and thinking about this. We now we now ready to move on it. Got it. That makes sense. Was uh, any any change in the the type of uh, uh, customer that was reaching out, or was it a uh, was it more kind of just broad based that everyone was trying to figure out how to push product out? Obviously, there's there's those cohorts of of uh, industries and segments. I'm assuming that's what you were referring to earlier with away. Um, but the kind of just the law of the land as it relates to um, uh, industry types and and kind of who's leaning in and maybe who's leaning out. Yeah, you know, one of the things we've we've been pushing on, you know, this year and this year is pretty new, but we've, we've already made a ton of traction is, you know, how can we get, how can we help brands get a direct to consumer strategy? Because, you know, they, it, they started with, oh, we need to move from physical to digital. And they hired a VP of e-commerce or a VP of digital strategy. And that person went and they listed all their products on Amazon and they grew the business. Um, now, you know, Amazon still continues to be a huge channel, but uh, these big brands who used to be bigger than Amazon are now, you know, they've moved from being the dog to the tail. And so some of them are saying, hey, we need to control our customer. You know, we want to have a direct to consumer presence. And we think we're uniquely uh, positioned to build them multi-node networks for two day or one day or same day, which would allow them to launch with a same day promise in all the big cities. Interesting. What, do you, what are you seeing from a... Uh... From Instagram shop and, and that, I don't, I don't know how much you kind of uh, uh, think about Instagram or, or the actual endpoint, but uh, in terms of like top of funnel, but what's your opinion there, if you have an opinion at all, because um, that, that seems like a ripe area for uh, kind of the unbundling again of everything on the back end. Yeah, I think there's two pieces. Um, one is it's a great new channel and everybody's exploring how to, how to exploit that. Um, the second is that you know, those Instagram influencers, they lead to peaks and valleys, right? You have, you know, you have a shoe drop or you have you know, whoever, mm. I, Kim Kardashian, like markets something and you go from shipping 500 units a day to a hundred thousand units a day. And so you have to prepare for that, but you don't want to sign a five-year lease to ship a hundred thousand units in one day and then go back to 500. So, you know, we can position you in, you know, one or in many markets to say, if you, you know, you want to forward deploy some inventory, you're selling the pink lipstick or whatever, uh, forward deploy that outside of New York, Chicago, LA, San Francisco, and so on, do your Instagram thing, uh, blow all the inventory out and shut it down. And that's something that is completely undoable in the traditional 3PL model. I mean, this literally sounds like the AWS playbook um, in terms of uh, when, when you're thinking about um, kind of those peak, when you don't understand kind of, um, uh, potential inbound um, traffic that's coming in and you don't want your site to shut down. So that's, that's incredible. Um, yeah, look, we'll, I, I think that was a lot. We could go on for kind of forever uh, and talk about all this. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to leave us with anything specific about flex. You guys are obviously crushing it. Um, obviously congratulations on everything over the last several years for yourself personally. Um, but anything you wanted to leave uh, before we kind of uh, run off. Yeah, well, I, I, I will start with a Jeff Bezos quote. Uh, <laughs> this is public. Um, he said, you know, we don't need more more planning processes and more communication across the organization. We actually need less communication. We need to put the ability, we need to be more agile and put the ability to move fast under single-threaded leaders. 
Hmm. Um, and so rather than build processes which allow us to plan poorly over a longer period of time, we should instead build technology which allows us to or not have to plan. And so Flex gives you the flexibility that you don't have to plan five years out or three years out or even one year out. Like if you need more space next month, we'll find you more space. And if you need more capacity, fulfillment capacity, we'll find you that. If you want to experiment with same day, you can do it in one city with very low volume and uh, you know we can deliver it in the same day. And if that works and drives conversion, which we know it does, we can expand and you only pay for what you use as you go. Wow. No, that's uh, fantastic, David. Um, makes a lot of sense. Appreciate you coming on and being part of this series of Commerce Evolution. Again, hopefully we'll be in touch in the future and, and obviously good luck at everything at Flex. Yeah, thanks so much for having me and look forward to it.